games ever for us coming that day. Very consonant, great game and goals as well. And of course, Seamus O'Neill announced himself on the scene uh, to be a great player by winning every kick out nearly. Scammon dominated the middle of the field and uh, he scored two points in the second half in one of the great games Scammon have ever played under John Tobin's stewardship. John Tobin was the manager and they dethroned the then reigning, well, reigning, or they were the reigning kind of champions and defeated All Ireland finalists of the year 2000, Galway, under John O'Mahony at the time. And of course, as well as that, uh, I suppose that this, this was kind of uh, for Seamus O'Neill. He, he had like uh, the same sort of a year as Derek Duggan had when he announces uh, his arrival on the senior Roscommon senior football team. It was kind of the same for Seamus O'Neill, and uh, you know this this was one of the this was one of those uh, things. You know the the back door where they won in the kind of championship, and uh, then the. The, you know, the one in the Connacht Championship and then they met again in the qualifiers or in the quarterfinals and, and uh, Galway bet them. So there's, <laughs> there is a history between the, these two teams in kind of in latter years, isn't there? Especially in the last four years. Absolutely. In the last few years, it's coming in Galway. We've met a good few times and Galway have come out on top in 2021. And then Roscommon won that great Connacht final in 2019. They won in 2017 as well in, in uh, Pierce Stadium and lost in 2018 in the Hyde Park. And lost in 2016 in Castle Bar. 2018, technically, Roscommon should have won that game. Missed so many chances. Uh, if they were shooting boots on, Roscommon would have won that game. But but the 2001 game, Aidan, was a fantastic game. Roscommon had motivation, yeah. hunger, commitment, staying power, all laced with a decent vein of top-quality footballers. Um, Galway were saved by the qualifiers. Of course, that was the first year of the qualifiers, the new format. Um, so the element of finality um, had... Uh, had been eroded in Gaelic football for the first time in matches, you know, because up to 2001, you had that sense of winner takes all and there was finality. If you won, you went through. If you lost, you had to lick your wounds, go home and sort of go back to the drawing board and dust yourself down for the following season. But uh, the prognosis for Galway wasn't great after that game. Uh, Roscommon really, really beat them well. Uh, so it was um, the the uh, the great tan- intangible in sport, Aidan, which is unpredictability. That's great and tangible. And it was so in evident on, on, on the Sunday, 3rd of June, 2001, when Roscommon uh, dethroned the Connacht champions. And that's what everybody loves about sport, the unpredictability of it. It's that notion that you, your team has a sporting chance no matter what game you play. And Roscommon had the hunger, the ball-winning ability, and they had the edge in the key central positions. Centre half-back, Francie Graham, midfield, Fergal Donald, Seamus Neal, full forward, Nigel Deneen. Um, then you had John Hanley at, at, uh, at, uh, at centre half forward. The only area Roscommon really struggled at was the full back line, um, in the full back position, because Parik Joyce was on fire that day with Mark and John White. And this was no reflection on John White. Parik Joyce was invincible also in, in 2001. He scored, I think, 11 points in the All Ireland final off Darren Fay, the best, one of the best full backs of all time. So John White was a good player, but Parik Joyce was just one of the greatest of all time. And uh, Parik Joyce chipped in that day with a total of six points. He got two frees and four from play. So um, it, was, it was a great performance by Roscommon. I'll give you the Roscommon team just to, to, to let you know what the team was. John Tobin was the manager and uh, Francie Grehan was man of the match in a lot of papers. Now, Seamus O'Neill wasn't far behind him. Many people would have given Seamus O'Neill man of the match. So Roscommon team was Derry Thompson in goals, Dennis Gavin, John White, Martin Rafferty, Cassarie, Paul Noon from Roscommon Gales, Francie Grant and Aidan's Clifford McDonald was coming Gales, and Seamus O'Neill Kilbride, Fergal O'Donnell was coming Gales, Conor Kennelly, Craig's, and um, 
John Hanley, Rascami Gales and Kilbride, centre forward, Alan Nolan, Rascami Gales, left half forward, Nigel Deneen, Tulsk at the time, uh, right full forward, then Jerry Lohan, Kilbride, and Frankie Dolan, St. Bridges, left full forward. Subs with Gary Cox from St. Foyles, Stephen Lohan, Kilbride, Ronan Owen, Strokestown, and uh, Conor Kennelly, the late great Conor, got a, a yellow card, Francie got a yellow card, Francie Grant, and Frankie Dolan. And it was also a game where Frankie Dolan had come off injured. Remember, he got a shoulder injury, so he had to come off in that match as well. But not before he had scored a brilliant goal just before half time to make it eight points to 2 4. He cut in from the end line, got in past Tomas Mannion, and then he fired a ball in at a narrow angle past the goalkeeper, Porik Lally, gave Roscommon a two point lead at the break. You know, it was a really, really big, big boost for Roscommon. So, as I said, Roscommon had the hunger, the, the power and the edge in the central positions. They exploited Galway's defensive frailties. Now, Galway's fullback line that day was poor. Um, Richie Fahey was cornerback, Gary Fahey fullback, and Tomas Mannion. They conceded three goals and five points against Leitrim in the previous match. So they were vulnerable, and Roscommon saw that. And you have to give John Tobin, the manager, great credit for exploiting that area in the Galway team. And there's no, there's no better person than one of your own to know a team's weaknesses. So John Tobin would have known that Galway fullback line was there for the taking. And, you know, it was. It was uh, John O'Mahony sort of redeveloped his full back line after that because he, he brought in Alan Kane as the goalkeeper. He took Tomas Mannion out of the full back line, brought him out of the half back line, and he brought in Kieran Fitzgerald as the uh, as 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 a cornerback. You know, Kieran Fitzgerald, the great Corfin player. So he came in in cornerback position as well. So um, that made a big, big difference to the full back line. So, so Tomas Mannion coming out to centre half back improved centre half back position as well because John Divoli had an ordinary game that day. He was taken off. So Tomas Mannion went out to the centre-half-back position. But Roscommon were on fire, Aidan. Uh, John Tobin, as I said, knew the the, 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 the difficulties that Galway had in their full-back line. So he, he isolated Jerry Lohan and Nigel Denis with Tomas Mannion and Gary Fahey in the full-forward line. And Roscommon bombed in long high balls that caused f- severe difficulties in the Galway defence. Roscommon were patient as well. They, they took their time, but then they delivered long balls in and Galway couldn't deal with it. And the two goals in the first half were the difference. You know, the... Frankie Dolan's goal and Nigel Deneen's goal. So raw intensity, endeavour, courage was the hallmarks of the Roscommon performance. Francie Graham outstanding at centre half back. They were big, had all big down the middle displays. Seamus O'Neill, Francie, Nigel Deneen, Jerry Lohan, John Hanley. Trojan contribution from Seamus O'Neill at midfield, scored two points in the second half, gave his team a vital winning edge. Roscommon dominated there all through. And of course, Paul Noon from Roscommon Gates, further down, Conor Canelli. Lake Conor Canelli, John Hanley, all won great possession. So Roscommon had this great ball winning possession, great ball winning ability. So they're winning a lot of ball, making use of it then. And then had a, what some of the papers described as a bombing campaign. The first half was just get the ball in, the more in as long and high as possible. And Roscommon were making hay on it. They were getting the better of the goal with full back line. So that was really the first story of the, of the, of the, of the first half. Eight. And, you know, Roscommon dominant, winning a lot of possession. And, uh, Mind you, in the first 10 minutes, Galway had a lot of, of the play. Like Alan Kearns, former hurler, was playing corner forward. He scored a point early on and hit Point Joyce. So Galway led by two points to nil early in the game. And um, Sean O'Donnell had a, had a great chance of a goal and he fired across the face goal and wide. And then Derek Thompson made a brilliant save from Joe Bergen, which was fantastic. It was one of the great, great saves Derek made in his career, one of many. And I remember him saving that shot and getting up and put fist pump in the air. And he was right to fit of the year because it was a great save. And Derry Thompson yeah. had a had a great season. He he um he came into that team, I think, um, after the Roscommon had played New York in their first match. And then Derrick wasn't playing that game, but he came in for that game. But 
for the Galway game and he kept his place for the Mayo game and uh, he, he was outstanding in that season. Of course, Aidan, you mentioned already that Roscommon won the Connacht Championship against Mayo as we did that game previously and then they met Galway again in the qualifiers in the, in the quarterfinals down at Casabar and Roscommon just didn't perform and uh, were beaten by 14 points to 1-5. He got a consolation goal. Roscommon got a consolation goal towards the end from Johnny Dunning. But Roscommon, you know, um, it was very unfair that, that Roscommon won the Connacht Championship, didn't have a, a championship game in Crow Park, didn't have to play Galway all over again. And it's so difficult to play the same team a second time round as we saw this year with Clanny Gale and Parry Pierce's. Pierce's looked very ordinary the first time to play Clan back in August from the county final. Pierce was a better team. It's hard to beat a team a second time in the championship psychologically. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was that, that's the sort of the setting the scene of it, Aidan. You know, Roscommon coming in under the radar. They had a good league campaign under John Tobin. They got to the league semi final, beaten by Mayo in a good game down in Sligo. There was nothing between the two teams. Stephen Lohan was playing outstanding football at full forward. And John, John Tobin really, he really uh, transformed that team. He got them very sharp. You know, they were very fit, very sharp over the first five yards. The first five yards of movement was, was said a lot about their play. They were very, very quick. Um, then the second half played a, an audacious display of short of a short game, backed up um, short game. You know, they backed up play very well, support play, and then they bombed in high balls as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah the Wisconsin were absolutely fantastic. Pat Spillane said, that Roscommon chewed up Galway and spat them out. That's what he said. That's how he described it. He says, that's, very, that's very accurate as well. And uh, yeah. but I suppose really the surprising thing about the game would have been when you when you look at the starting fifteen for Galway on that day. I mean, you, you, when you look at the experience they had. I mean, two out of the three in the full back line, you know, were in the All Ireland were played in the ninety eight All Ireland final. You know, there, there was other play. There was other play. There was plenty of players elsewhere so I mean you know when you have players that have played in an All-Ireland final and won an All-Ireland final against a, against a quality Kildare team in 98 it's, it's a wonder that they were left that vulnerable um, when you yeah. consider there was only one change to the full back line um, that they didn't have that they maybe weren't cute or weren't able to handle that high ball coming into the square yeah, and like uh, the Galway fullback line was never brilliant. You know, Gary Fahey was a decent fullback, but he w- you wouldn't say that he was the best fullback ever. He was a good, hardy player, good, sturdy player, but he was no, he wasn't a Darren Fay, or you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a, a Pat Lindsay. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't, a, he wasn't one of the top class fullbacks. He was a decent fullback, honest player, very, very dedicated, very loyal player. Uh, was Gary Fahey, and he did a job. He, he. Uh, he, he um, you know, he he played for Galway for a long time, and he won two All Irelands, like, and he kept his place for the All Ireland final in twenty oh one as well. And Galway went on a backdoor route, the the final where they beat Mead. They had to go to Wicklow in the next round down in in Ockram, and they beat Wicklow. And then they played Armagh up in Crow Park. I was at that game because it, it was a game before Sligo and Kildare. Sligo beat Kildare. The Galway scraped past Armagh. That was a very good Armagh team. They won won, won the All Ireland the following year. And then Galway beat Cork. And then they, then they met Roscommon again in the quarter-final, and then they scraped past Derry in the semi-final. So, so funny, Galway won two All-Irelands in 2001 and 1998, and they beat Derry in both semi-finals. Isn't it funny, the symmetry there? That, that's what that, I was going to say. That, that, that yeah. was very, very interesting. You know? uh, so any time yeah. they beat Derry in an All-Ireland semi-final, they're, they're pro- you know, as tradition would have it, oh, they're, probably, they're, probably going to, they're probably going to win it. But, uh, you know, I suppose really... <laughs> A lot of performances and a lot of teams that are that were winning and losing can uh, 
a game can be won or lost for a team in midfield. So looking looking at the Roscommon midfield, you kind of have to say when you when you look at the height of Fergal O'Donnell, that, like we we had a tall midfield. Both uh, we you know they both are very tall players. Fergal O'Donnell is kind of bulky, but but very tall. And Seamus O'Neill is is uh, well, well built as well, and he he's a, a tall player as well. So maybe that was a key part, especially from from uh, from kickouts in midfield. You know that that was that was a huge game for us coming. Yeah, they were up against Sean O'Donnell. Uh, for Galway and the other midfielder for Galway on that occasion was Joe Bergen so Roscommon really blitzed them they, like Sean O'Donnell was a decent midfielder as well but that day he he had an off day he was taken off the Brown Lorcan Colloran in the second half I might just give you the Galway teammate just so you know exactly Porrick yeah. Lally was in goals Richie Fahey Gary Fahey Tomas Mannion the full back line Declan Meehan John Divoli and Sean O'Dequeira Sean O'Donnell Joe Bergen Tommy Joyce Jaff Allen Michael Donnan Alan Kearns Porrick Joyce and Kieran Comer John Donnelly came on for Tommy Joyce. Um, uh, then you had um, Shane Welsh come on for Kieran Comer. Uh, then you had Ray Sill come on for John Divley and Lorcan Collard and came on for Sean O'Donnell. And Roscommon kicked 11 wide as well, six of them in the second half. So Roscommon squandered a lot of chances. You know, they could have won by a lot more. They squandered, the papers talked about the squander mania in the last few minutes and kicked a lot of wides, even though they went on and kicked some great scores as well. So if Pat Spillane said Roscommon chewed up Galway and spat them out, Another paper said that Galway didn't have the bite. It's funny how they, 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 these analogies. Uh, other people were saying Galway were complacent. The supporters felt it was a question of how much they were going to beat Roscommon by because Roscommon were a low ebb in 2000, lost to Leitrim in the first round of the championship down in Hyde Park. It was a very, you know, very disappointing performance. Had a big lead and then lost it. And then Roscommon, nobody expected Roscommon to beat Galway this day. So Galway... You know, we're in the game in the last 10 minutes, all right, but they were only um, beaten by four points with a bad performance. But the Galway's saving grace was Paul Joyce. He was the outstanding player for them on that occasion. So, But it was a mammoth effort by Roscommon and by Seamus O'Neill in particular at midfield. Fielding, fielding ability, his aggression um, exposed the Galway uh, midfield partnership. Francie Graham, uh, Mark Jaffal now with the game. Francie attacked as well. He was absolutely fantastic. Frankie Dolan did very well, as I said, before going off. So Roscommon raised their game, exposed Galway's frailties in the full-back line particularly. Stephen Lohan came on, scored two points um, in the second half. Um, then you had Frankie Dole and Nigel Neen on top. So the will to win that reached Olympian heights was, was, was what one person described Roscommon's um, intensity. And you know their will to win reached Olympian heights, their battling quality. And none more so than Francie Gray and Conor Kennelly and Seamus O'Neill. Any of those three could have got man the match, but they were absolutely outstanding. As I said, it was one of Francie Gwen's best ever games for Roscommon, Conor Kennelly's best ever games for Roscommon, Seamus O'Neill's best ever game. So it's 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 a perfect ambush situation. Galway, reigning Connacht champions, defeated All Ireland finalists, almost beat Kerry there before, hammered Leitrim in the first round. Nobody expected anything from Roscommon. So it's a, it's, a, it's a prime example of one of those games we've often spoke about where the underdog has a great chance, where they're coming in determined, motivated, hungry, and the favourites are complacent, thinking it's like a stroll for them that just have to turn up, and then they're in a fight and they can't deal with it. And it's funny, it's very hard to get it back. Once you're in a fight and you're not expecting a fight, it's very difficult to get your game back. In Galway, only in fits and spurts played. Michael Donnell played in spurts. Port Joyce had a good game throughout for them. The Galway team struggled throughout the whole game, and it's no surprise that, that John O'Mahony did surgery on the team after that game in. 
That's it, and I suppose really when when you compare the 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 game in the Connacht Championship to the uh, the one in the in the All Ireland qualifiers or that, you know, uh, would there have been many many changes from from each team between the Connacht Championship game and the and the qualifiers, as in you know many changes to either team. Well, Scotland would have been more or less the same because it was the yeah. same team that won the Connacht final, so there wasn't many changes on it. Like Jonathan Dunning came on as a substitute, all right. But uh, Roscommon hadn't changed their team at all. Um, like Dennis Gavin was on, John Weiss, Martin Rafferty, Clifford McDonald, Francie Graham, Paul Noon, Seamus Neil, Fergal O'Donnell. They all played in that game, you know. And then um, Gary Cox came in for, into, in, into the fray then. You know, Alan Nolan dropped out. So you had Stephen Lohan back as well. So you, you had um, Roscommon more or less did the same. Galway did surgery on their team. Pori Glally lost his place in goals to Alan Kane. Then Tomas Mannion without the centre half back. John Divley lost his place, and um, you know he had most of the team. Alan Kearns became a sub then in the in the forwards. Uh, he because Derek Savage came back and and Paul Clancy. They had been injured for this game, so they were big losses for the Galway full forward line for the half hour line as well. Paul Clancy and Derek Savage they were missing, so they came back into the reckoning for Galway as well. Um, when 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 they. Got about five or six changes, Aidan, from the team that played that day to the team that ended up in the All Ireland final. Um, so, yeah, it was it was it was an absolutely mammoth performance by Roscommon. And you know, I'll just give you the we'll just go through the scores now, like a just brief over overview of it. Roscommon missed about six score but chances in the second half. The the key moments in the first half, Roscommon dominated long deliveries into space into the danger zone. Nigel Dean got a goal after 13 minutes. Jerry Lohan played the ball across the face of goal and he finished it off, and then. On the 37th minute, just on the stroke of half-time, Frankie Dolan got a goal after Conor Kennelly long ball in. So he slipped past Tomas Mannion and he squeezed the ball in the park Lally's near post from a tight angle. So this was a massive psychological blow to Galway and a psychological lift to Roscommon just before half-time. At that point, Galway had led by eight points to 1-4 um, just before Frankie Dolan's goal. And that goal put Roscommon two points to the good at half-time. So uh, Park Joyce's razor sharp all through the first half. He had beaten the John White. But the supply ran out for Galway because Roscommon dominated midfield. Joyce didn't get the supply. Roscommon had all the ball in the middle of the field. Um, so the Roscommon had the mid, were on top of midfield. And uh, of course, Seamus O'Neill kicked those two great points in the second half. Um, in the last quarter, Galway brought on uh, Shea Welsh, John Donlan, Ray Silk, Lurton Collar, but Roscommon had built up a head of steam and were unstoppable. And Roscommon had brought on Gary Cox, Ronan Owens, Stephen Lohan, all made big impacts. Uh, but Roscommon attack uh, dominated the supply, but they needed to be more economical with their with their with their shooting. Um, the heroics there from Seamus O'Neill, O'Donnell, Conor Kennelly, Nigel, um, Deneen, Jerry Law, and Frankie Dole, and John Hanley. Uh, Galway could say they were missing Savage and Clancy, but that was no excuse for the performance. Roscommon put in the best performance on the day. They were absolutely outstanding. But just a full rundown on the scoring uh, zone in. in uh, Roscommon, as I said, were two points down after 10 minutes and um, Sean O'Donnell missed a goal chance and Derek Thompson made a great save. And then Nigel Dean got Roscommon's first point on the 10th minute to make it two points to one. Touch of class and Deneen scored. And then on the 13th minute, Derry Lohan played a great ball across the face of goal and Nigel Dean uh, just tapped it in to make it 1-1 to two points. And then Parik Joyce got a point for Galway to make it three points to 1-1. Deneen got another point, 1-2 to three points for Roscommon. Donlan got a point Nigel Dean got a point. Or Joyce got another point. So that's five points to one three. Favour Roscommon. Joyce got a second point. Six points to one three were level. 
And then Tommy Joyce put Galway eight points to one three up just before half time. And then Frankie Dolan got a point before half time from a great Conrad Canelli ball to make it eight points to one four. That it looked like that was going to be the half time scoreline. But then Conrad Canelli broke through, sent a high ball in. Francie Graham, Francie, Frankie Dolan won it on the end line. He squeezed in past Moss Mannion and he buried it at the near post to make it two forty eight points. So that was the half time made in two forty eight points. And Frankie Dolan got that score. And uh, it was the one it was really a sucker punch, you know. But uh, Roscommon were playing with passion, absolute passion, intensity, and uh, absolute drive as well. They were absolutely fantastic. And uh, one of the key features of the game was Paul Noon's performance, Aidan, on, on, on Michael Donlan. Uh, he, he, he marked Michael Donlan. I suppose when, 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 you, when you look at um, Paul Noon as a player, he's very similar to Michael Ryan was. In '98, you know, always great as because they played more or less the same position, wing, wing, half back, and like always great at coming forward, but didn't always kind of knew when to come forward and uh, take a point and when not to. So you know, it takes a lot of intelligence to know when to stay back and when to go forward as well. And uh, I think that was the the key thing that both players had in common, wasn't it? Absolutely, Michael Ryan, Paul Noon, tremendous players. Paul Noon's a powerful man, great runner. Very, very good athlete, strong as an ox, and uh, a Rolls Royce player. One of those great player. He was sort of beset with injuries, I think, as well. Aidan, that sort of, um, if you like, meant that we didn't see nearly uh, as much as we would have liked of Paul Noon because he was a great, great footballer, really, really top class player. And Roscommon Gales, in fairness, with the backbone of that team, you know, you had Paul Noon, Clifford McDonald, you had uh, Fergal O'Donnell, John Hanley, Alan Nolan. Uh, so you had, you had you had five or six players from Roscommon Gales and, and uh, you know in the daily I think it was a sub as well at the time for Roscommon Gales so Roscommon Gales and, had great players and John Hanley played I think for Kilbride as well tremendous footballer really skillful so there was great skill and as you said no no one more skillful than Paul now great great half back and uh, he really played well for Roscommon that day and throughout the Connacht Championship as well and really uh, bo- bo- bolstered that team in, the, in, in 2001 and of course, another survivor from the '98 uh, Clannan final as well, against uh, against Galway. Uh, you know, in the first day and the second day, um, Derry Thompson. Um, you know, he he always, as a goalkeeper, he was always. I think he always settled the full back line. And as we, we always mentioned in, in previous shows, that relationship between the goalkeeper and the full back line is. You know, when when a goal when the full back line kind of know and is familiar with the goalkeeper, they have trust in the goalkeeper and they know that. Uh, you know that that um, the quality of of Derek Thompson that that he he would if they if uh, a forward was lucky enough to get back to f- through the full back line, you know it was always very hard to get to to score on Derek Thompson because I suppose for two factors one, Derek Thompson had great height was he was a tall keeper as well which is a huge plus but also he he was always a great shot stopper and also good under the high ball two key qualities for a goalkeeper and I think they they were kind of the the secret ingredients both in '98 or or. or very unlucky in '98 in the replay, but uh, especially on that on that day against Galway in, in um, the the year we're talking about. Absolutely, Derry was a great keeper, uh, as you said. He's a powerful man, very well built, very fit, looked after himself very well, had a great kick out, um, great shot stopper, as you said, very good under the high ball. Had that bit of unluck, bad luck in to, to 1998, which happens all goalkeepers, and. In 2001, he had a brilliant season and really against Mayo in the kind of final as well. He was tremendous, made some good saves as well. So it was great for Derry. 
have a brilliant season and he had a great career. He played for Scotland for many years, under 21 and senior. Played for Angarda, Shiacana, the Garda Club in Dublin. He also won a intermediate championship with uh, with St. Foley's in 1992 and he won a Leinster Senior Championship medal with St. Mel's of Longford in the colleges in 1989. That's it. And, and like when, when you look at the Roscommon team as well, uh, and the players that were in that Roscommon team, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them had Sigerson Cup experience, which is, which is great to have, and they would, they would have played with each other. A lot of those players on the Roscommon team would have played with each other and against each other. I suppose no more so than uh, UCD. You know, you had uh, you know Alan Nolan played for UCD uh, in Sigerson Cup, and of course Connor Kennelly as well, and and things like that. So I mean, you you know that's that's uh, that that's great a great experience to have in in a county team in the senior intercounty team you know because it is an elite um, it is an elite competition Sigerson Cup as well so to have that sort of experience on the pitch at county level is vital as well Absolutely and like Sigerson Cup is, is the equivalent of county football like Alan yeah. Olin won it and Conor Kennelly won Sigerson Cup medals with UCD in 1996 uh, they beat I think UCG in the final down in Limerick and um, uh Brian Doher was on the UCD team as well. They had a very, very good team at the time. I think Kieran McMahon, um, yeah, Kieran McManus from Offaly as well was in that team. And it's no coincidence that players that perform well in the Sigerson Cup uh, go on to play well for the county team as well. If you if you have a good Sigerson Cup, you can really chalk your place down on the on the county team. You know, it's a really, really top top class uh, competition. Uh, so I just give you the second half scores there, Ed, and I sort of left it for Scammon leading two two forty eight points at half time after that Frankie Dolan goal. And then in the first six minutes of the second half, Galway and Roscommon exchanged two points apiece. Joe Bergen and Kieran Coleman got the two points for Galway. And Paul Noon and Frankie Dolan got two points apiece for Roscommon. That made it 10 points to 2-6 in favour of Roscommon after six minutes of the second half. And then Galway got two more points midway through the second half by Pori Joyce and John Donlan to draw level. 12 points to 2-6. So Roscommon were under a bit of pressure. And when you're under a bit of pressure, you need your leaders to stand up. And that's where the fireworks Started Seamus and he took a couple of great balls out of the sky. He went forward and scored two points, put Scammon ahead, two eight to twelve points. So Scammon had a two point lead going into the last ten minutes. Seamus and his performance warmed the hearts of the Scammon supporters, even though it was a very warm day as well. The performance by Seamus and his high fielding was inspirational, as was Fergal O'Donnell's. Then Paul Noon, Paul Noon marshaled Michael Donnan very, very well uh, uh, in spectacular fashion. So Roscommon had the victory sent in their nostrils at this stage. They came forward in droves. And Dennis Gavin, Gary Cox and Paul Noon combined well for Dennis Gavin to come up from cornerback to score a point. And that was magnificent stuff for Roscommon. So that put them three points ahead, two nine to 12 points going into the last few minutes. And you have to give credit to Dennis Gavin, the Clanagain, brother of, of uh, Enon's. Dennis was a very underrated player, but he was a fantastic player, Dennis Gavin. He won a couple of championships, the Clan before the Clan Famine. Started in 1996, the last time uh, yeah, they won the last championship in 1960, Michael Glavis, and they didn't win again to 2015. But Dennis Gavin would have been on that team in 96 to won. But he was a great player for Scotland in 98 and also in 2001, won a kind of championship and a great, great player. Very nice fella, gentleman, very, very fast, good man, good man marker. And very few forwards got the better of Dennis Gavin when they were playing for playing against Roscommon. So, with about five minutes to go, Roscommon led by 2 9 to 12 points, led by three points, which is a great, great place to be when you go down the final stretch. 
That's it. And of course, uh, as we know, you just said it there about Clan Nagale and Enon Gavin and his brother Dennis and that. You, you know, cl- traditionally Clan Nagale were huge contributors, like was Common Gales, I suppose, in many ways down the years to, to county teams, both at underage, like under 16, minor, under 21, junior and, and uh, senior as well. And uh, I suppose, you know, as you go through the ranks, you improve as a player and, and a person. And, you know, you, know, you, you just, yeah, you develop you develop skills and you, you get an awful lot better as you go through the ranks as well. And I suppose that breeds uh, a lot of those players then that come through, they come through together, so they're familiar with each other, and that comes across on in performances, um, you know, both in the national league and and in the championship, which is vital as well. Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. They come through in, in and you you mentioned there about players coming through the ranks, and that's the way it goes. It's an incremental improvement all the time. Players come up through under 16, minor, under 14, you know, up to senior at club level or county level or any grade of that matter, or any walk of life. You have to come up through the ranks and learn in stages, not in big spurts, but in small steps. And, and you learn from your colleagues and you learn from coaches and you learn from experience. Bitter experience is a great teacher. And you try to, you know, learn from the mistakes and put them right the next day. So with Clan Gale, throughout the 80s and early 90s, provided a third or even more of the Roscommon team, maybe six or seven players. And then when their time went, Roscommon Gales got strong. They provided a lot of players. Strokesome provided a lot of players. El Finn. It sort of goes in cycles. Then you had Bridget's providing a lot of players. And now you have Pierce's providing a lot of players. At one stage, Castle did it. So it's it's funny how it goes in cycles, Aidan. You know, that one club provides maybe five or six players to the county team over a period of time. And Scott McGill's were a strong team that time. As I said, Clan were the team before that. Then you had Castle Ree for a while. Even Western Gales provided four or five players at one stage. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's cyclical, isn't it, really? Boyle have four, yeah. three or four now, as, as Parry Pierce's have. Michael Glavies even have a few players, you know, a good few players on the county panel. So that's the way it goes. But it was majestic stuff from Roscommon. So they were leading by 2-9 to 13 points going into final stages. And then Stephen Lohan came on and scored two points and one from a free, and then um, Jerry Lohan got a point as well. So Roscommon got two four two twelve uh, to to, to uh, Galway's fourteen points. So Roscommon run on top in the last twenty minutes, but it was it was the passion of the Roscommon team, the the raw courage, intensity, the drive that that contributed to Roscommon being just so dominant in the game. And as I said, they were playing the ball into the danger zone. Nigel Janine getting a lot of ball Frankie Dolan as well what a great full forward line we had that time you know and Jerry Lohan as well the great great players Scammon had tremendous players and only for Park Joyce was on his game Galway would have lost by a lot more James O'Neill of course those two magnificent points um, and uh, Scammon you know held on to win deservedly by four points and, and go on then to capture the Nestor Cup a couple of weeks later beating Mayo in, in, in Hyde Park in, in one of the most thrilling games ever played in Hyde Park when you had uh, Jerry Lohan scoring that never to be forgotten goal in the last minute but, but through um, I think John Hanley and Conor Kennelly Lord of Merson combined as well it was a great goal by Jerry Lohan to win that famous Conor final in 2001 yeah, and I mean, it was a game I, I was at as well, and this was uh, certainly one of those. Like you, you know, you you can watch many games over the years, but then there, there's always that maybe one or two. There's always that one game that stands out in your mind that you, you know you could be at a hundred games, 
there's common matches, but there's but there'll always be that one game that would stand out in your memory. And if there was ever a match for me, uh, games that I was at, and I'm sure you'd be the same, that would be definitely one of those games, especially for the, I suppose, the excitement and, and the, the closing stages of the game where, uh, you know, it looked like, it looked like, Mayo had a one, and next thing, you know, that goal went in, and uh, you know, it changed everything. Yeah, it changed it the whole, like the whole sh- stadium shook. That goal went in yeah. from Jerry Lawn, and and uh, Mayo couldn't believe it. It was just one of the great moments, and again, it's the great intangible, the unpredictability of sport. Nobody knows who's going to win before the game, and that's the great thing about it. That it was thirty thousand probably in Hyde Park, and with about a minute to go, people would have given. The bookies probably would have paid out on Mayo at that stage, but Scammon had other ideas and went up the field. And it just shows the value of playing to the final whistle, playing to the last kick of the game. And Scammon never said, I kept at it, showed character, resilience, and they, they deservedly won that game against Mayo in the kind of final. But just looking at the at the uh, aftermatch comments, you know, Scammon's manager was John Tobin, and he, he admitted he had mixed feelings after the game because he had guided his players to a sensational victory over his own native county in his hometown of Chew. So yeah. you can imagine, you can imagine, say, Fergal O'Donnell managing, you know, for argument's sake, or, or a Roscommon Gales player, former Roscommon Gales player, like Alan Olin or Fergal O'Donnell, Jason Hoare, you know, Ke- Kevin Keegan, John Hanley, you name it, any of the Roscommon players, Gales players, Jack Paul Noon, managing, say, um, Sligo or Mayo to beat Roscommon in the kind of final in Hyde Park, how difficult that would be for for a Scammon Gales player to do that, you know. And yeah. John Tobin was a Tomb Stars legend, played for Galway in three All-Ireland finals in the 70s, 71, 73 and 74. Lost them. They lost to Offaly in 71. They lost to Cork in 73 and Dublin in 74. He was on the squad as well, I think in 83 when they lost to Dublin. 12 men of Dublin beat Galway um, in the in the All-Ireland final. That one of the, you know, worst for All-Ireland finals ever. Brian Mullins was sent off, Moss Tierney, Kieran Duff and... Um, Ray Hazley. So it was a very, very poor game. And uh, Dublin hang on, hang, hung on to one by, one by two. By, I think it was two points in the end, maybe. But anyway, Aidan, um, 110 to 18, Dublin beat Galway that day. But uh, John Tobin says, uh, he says, um, there was an element of apprehension at the end as to how I would, would react, he said. But needless to say, I'm over the moon for his coming after all the hard work uh, that the lads had done. That's what he said. You know, he was, you know, he couldn't fault him. He, he, uh, he, he deserved victory. He was the manager of Roscommon. He's a duty to prepare his team the best of his ability. And he did that. He left no stone unturned. And I remember around that time speaking to people in the county, close to the county setup, and they were absolutely amazed by Mah- uh, John Tobin's coaching methods. It was all foot football, you know, foot pass and kick pass and okay, that strength and condition as well, but short stuff, sharp stuff. And Roscommon were very, very sharp. And a lot of the media spoke about how sharp Roscommon were particularly over over um, short distances. So Roscommon won the match because of their hunger and the decided edge and the ball winning ability in some of the central positions, but their, their sharpness over the short distances was was something that people uh, probably didn't expect from Roscommon. And Roscommon rightfully uh, got the victory in the end. But um, that was John Tobin and he 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 was he was absolutely um, if you like mixed emotions given that he had beaten his own county. So uh, so he was in the dressing room. He says, he said, this is my home pitch. I play most of my uh, football here. I have great affinity with it. And I have great affinity with many of the Galway team and coached some of them. But there was um, there was no magic formula for a scammon. 
or holy grail. It was just hard work in the victory. They, seem, they said the team had been fantastic and shown great spirit. And it showed it throughout the league when they performed very well. We learned a great deal from our league semi-final defeat against Mayo. In many ways, that was the making of us, he said. He, um, so he said our full forward, like he referenced the full forward line. Our full forward line are very big and strong. We felt we might have over um, done it a bit in the first half uh, with the long ball. He's talking about it. it might have varied a bit, but Galway, he, he acknowledged the Galway missing two of their top players, Derek Savage and Paul Clancy. He said some of our tackling was superb, and I felt that our young midfielder Seamus O'Neill was fantastic. He's only 18 and a half years of age, and he came of age today for his sake and for Scotland. I hope he can go on and build on this. So. Um, he was then asked about the Connacht final, and uh, he said, um, "He says we we'd love to win the Connacht final." He said, "It's been ten years since they won it last, and it would be fantastic if we can bring it off." He says they're capable of doing it. At the finish, there they did not know what to feel, but it was a super game to win, and the lads just battled till they dropped. You could not ask for more. You know, it was nice, nice. You know, it was difficult for John Tobin, but uh, he was professional, and he he. Uh, he wanted Roscommon to win because he was the manager of Roscommon. He made and as any manager would be, you know. So. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the key thing, regardless. But I, I think that's that's kind of the way things are gone nowadays compared to me say years ago. The man, there, there's a lot of that. Uh, I suppose you know, appointing outside managers like you know, like it is at the moment with in Roscommon, Anthony Cunningham, another Galway, another uh, former. Galway man, a Galway man as well. So it just goes to show you that a lot of counties are starting to do that, bringing in a player, uh, a manager from outside. But I suppose sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I, I suppose you were just outlining there about uh, John Tobin as a manager and his coaching me- coaching methods. And I suppose the key thing for any manager and coach is um, not in a bad way, but to be able to get inside players' heads in certain situations to kind of get the best out of them, I think along with along with John Tobin, another another manager you could kind of say, or maybe two managers uh, that that you could outline there would ha- have to be Sean Boylan from from Mead, and of course uh, John O'Mahony from uh, a Mayo man there that he managed Galway in '98. Galway were in in several, uh, I suppose, tight tight uh, situations in the championship. I suppose you could say against Roscommon in the Connacht championship. Uh, you, you know, there's a, if it, that day as well. You know, in, in that championship and the mental strength that he had, especially I suppose more so against um, Kildare in the final. Just the, just that little thing. He had a way with the players, a way of getting inside their heads, motivating. But but also like you just said. <laughs> The, the training methods that he had, would you say that maybe both managers, uh, John Ma- John O'Mahony and John Tobin, were similar in their coaching styles? I'd say they were two great managers. John Tobin won the All Ireland Minor Championship with Galway in 1986, so he was a great manager. And uh, he came into Galway senior team in 88, 89, around that time, 90. And um, Galway were in transition, but he, he almost beat Roscommon in the kind of final in 1990 with John Tobin when he was the manager of Galway. But he from talking to the players, he was an incredible coach. People says he was, is 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 what he used to do. You know the drills was ahead of his time, and it's now sort of the regular coaching methods. You know, gone are the long the long laps and the long distance running, and it's more, if you like, uh, scientific in terms of players being, if you like, trained in uh, in relation to their positions and in relation to the nature of the game, which is all about. Short, sharp stuff for a lot of the players in the team, especially the half backs and the full back line. Whereas the midfielders need more sort of middle distance running type stamina work. 
But uh, John, I've heard from stories from players, from people rather, not so much the players, but from people at the time that John John Tobin was doing incredible, incredible work uh, in terms of his his his, his 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 coaching. But he was the coaching officer agent for the Connacht Council, I think, around that time as well. So he would have been at the cutting edge of of coaching. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he might have been the PE man as well. So he he was at the cutting edge of coaching. Coaching changed, Aidan, I think, around the early uh, noughties. You know, coaching started to become more, as I said, uh, science-led, weight, strength and conditioning, short, sharp stuff, as opposed to long-distance running, which was, which was symptomatic, which which was common in in the in the old days. You know, and club football started to evolve, county football, and uh, like he was a great coach, John John Tobin, and John O'Mahony Aidan as well. He he was a great man in terms of obviously his coaching ability and the way he could get teams fit and drilled, but a master of the of the art of inspira- inspiring players, motivating them, and getting them to go to another level, and that's a gift yeah. that that few managers have. You mentioned uh, reference Sean Boyle, and there are not too many managers have it. You have to get inside the players' heads, and it's yeah. not motive. It's not motivation. It's inspiration. It's, a, yeah. it's a, you have to get it, it, it. You have to raise the spirits of the players. You have to raise the morale of the players inside their mind, and you can you can do. It's possible with the right, the right, uh, more uh, inspiring uh, methods. John O'Mahony had it, and a lot of those managers, Aidan, top managers, Jurgen Klopp has it. Pep Guardiola, there's a sort of a common thread with a lot of managers in that they're successful no matter where they go, and they can improve players no matter where they go. Because they, they do what you have said, they get inside the players' heads and they can inspire them. They can set goals and targets and they can make the players believe that they can achieve those targets. They make the players believe that they can achieve what they hadn't achieved before. And all of those great managers have a vision and an idea inside their mind of what way their players should play and what way the team should play. And he, can, he or she can transmit that vision to all of their their players and able to get them to buy into it, even if it's something that the players may not have been used to in previous times, alien concepts to them. But uh, top top managers can get inside their heads, can inspire their players, and uh, you see it in the Premier League as well. Aidan, top top managers always get the big jobs, and uh, they're very hard to come by. You know, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola. Um, some of them, some other managers, they may not be at the top level, but some very good managers, like you know Ed, Eddie Howe, there is a good manager as well, appointed manager of Newcastle. You know he's able to improve players, and uh, no matter what teams these guys go to, they they they, they get results. And getting football, Nick Dwyer, Aiden, what a, what an inspirational manager he was as well. Like yeah. people say, people say, oh Kerry had the players, Kerry had the talent. Having the players and having the talent is one thing. Getting the best out of those players, and uh, if you like, drawing out the best out of them, and, and ensuring that they play consistently, and they play at their max all the time to a plan and to a vision. That takes talent. That takes inspiration. And I would say, in my opinion, that if Mick O'Dwyer wasn't in Kerry, this is my own opinion. If Mick O'Dwyer wasn't in Kerry with that great Kerry team. That great Kerry team wouldn't have won eight All Irelands. I think it yeah. probably would have finished. I think the Defeat against Offaly might have finished the whole team. You know that's the way I see it. But Nick O'Dwyer was able to get inside them and say, "Look at lads, we lost it Offaly in '82, lost to Cork in '83." A lot of those players, I think, would have thought maybe that that's the end of the road. They've been on the road since '75. 
But he got inside their heads and got them back and won three more All-Irelands. Brian Cody is the same. Durlock Nan. They're absolute. They've got a talent to inspire their players. And it's not just players or managers. But you, you, you can see it in great, it's great teachers out there. There's great educators. There's great managers. Great people in, in, in all walks of life. They don't have to be sports people, but there are great people out there with that ability to inspire others and to you know, make them believe in themselves even more and encourage them to, to go above and beyond what they, ever, they had ever dreamed of. So um, that's, that's the situation. Um, you, you see it in, in football as well, in the Premier League and other places where a team could be doing very, very badly. And then all of a sudden, a new manager comes in, all of a sudden they go on a run of maybe 20, 10 games unbeaten, playing great football. So it's, 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 it's a talent, Aidan. It's, re- it's a gift for, that managers have. So not to rub, rub their players up the wrong way, you know, not to get, not to, you know, if a player's a bad day, not to, if you like, um, make it worse for them or, you know, to, to rally the troops, marshal the troops to show where they went, did well and then point out where they need to improve in a, in a, in a, in a, in a nice way. You have to do it. You have to be, you have, yeah, it has true, to be tough. Right. Exactly. That's be tough love yeah. as well. All these guys, all those top managers, they're, they're no shrinking violets. There's tough love with these guys as well. You know, yeah. they, they, can, they can be cruel to be kind, but they'll do it for the betterment of the team and they'll do it for the betterment of the player. Um, and, uh, you know, Alex Ferguson, the same thing. They had that, they have a gift of inspiring teams, Ed. And Tommy Heenan had it in Roscommon, I think, as well. In the 70s, a great manager, inspired the Roscommon team to win the one final in 78. Uh, talking to the players, they said he was a great motivator, great manager. But really, I think these managers Ed, are great inspirers. They inspire players and, and to, to go on and, and, and to be even better than they even dreamed of. You know, it could be it could be a conductor of a band aid and it could be any, you know, they're, they're all, these people are out there in all walks of life, not confined solely to football and it's when, when, when you see them, they just have that inspiring influence about them. Take, like Danny Burke and Castle Reed, there's an inspirational figure. He's trained yeah. teams since 1955 and his record aid probably in club football with, with teams you could argue that no one has a better record than Danny Burke, but he's got a gift for coaching, educating, and getting the best out of people. It's how you it's how you come across with players, and I suppose really in sport, be it football or rugby or soccer or anything like that, it's kind of you know you, you can have the best fifteen, you can have re- a really talented fifteen starting fifteen or a very talented starting eleven, and uh, but. You know, you can have them like that, but unless uh, they, they mightn't, it's getting them gelled. So, you, you know, they, I suppose you can see, you saw them to a certain extent, like with Man City, for example, you know, you look at them and they've class all over the pitch and any certain 11 that you put out, yeah, you know, but sometimes you, you can have the best players in the world on your team, but uh, unless you can get them to gel, because sometimes you can have a team of individuals, but you, you have to knit them into a team so that they can play as a team and gel and kind of be familiar with each other and know where each other is going to be in certain situations. And, and that, that takes time and it takes a certain amount, it takes a certain manager to get, to get that out of a team as well. Absolutely. And Manchester United are a case in point at the moment. They're a team of individuals. No team, has, I would say, argue that, I, I, would, I would imagine Man United have spent probably more than anybody in the last maybe five, ten years, or as much. They're up at the top anyway of, of spending. But the Manchester United team, in my opinion, as you said, are a collection of individuals. They're not a team in the manner that Manchester City are a team. 
or Liverpool are a team or West Ham are a team. Because as you said, that these managers like um, Thomas Tuchel, Jurgen Klopp, David Moyes, Pep Guardiola, they've built a team. The team is the team and no player is greater than the team and everybody gels in the team. And that's the way it is. And like your, Pep Guardiola has often said, Manchester United have the money. But having the money doesn't buy you a team. It buys you a collection of individuals. It's a manager that makes the team. Same with a conductor of a band. You know, he might have a great, talented bunch of musicians, but that, that won't make a team, that won't make a band unless the musicians buy into the, the sheet music, play at the right tempo, are dedicated to training and practice, enjoy the right, music, are, 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 are good colleagues. So the same with football. You know, it's the, manager in, it's the manager's culture that's imbued into the team. And if the manager is soft on the team, the team ultimately will fail because... The players will take liberties, and players will take shortcuts. Aiden. No matter, in my opinion, most players will take shortcuts if they get away with it. That's my opinion. A lot of yeah. players will take shortcuts, but a manager who is strict but tough and fair—Klopp, Guardiola, Tuchel, Moyes, these guys, Ferguson, Sean Boylan, John O'Mahony, Mickey Hart, Mick O'Dwyer—like I heard a friend of mine say that, like you know that, that when Mick O'Dwyer was managing Kerry, people were late for training and stuff like that. There was, you know, there was there was. You know, there was repercussions for players. You know that 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 that's that's what what happens. And and Antonio Conte said, if a player steps out of line in any of his teams, and if he doesn't take the appropriate action to discipline the player, you know, if they're late for training or whatever, he says, if he doesn't do that, he loses the dressing room. You know, and that's why top managers they are tough but fair, great managers. And John O'Mahony was as good a manager as there ever was in Gaelic football. His record is outstanding. He raised profile of, of Leitrim. You know, he brought Mayo to an All-Ireland final 89 and then he he won the two All-Irelands with Galway. You know, he had great players, but that Galway team wasn't gelling before John O'Mahony came in. You know, they, they had great talent but they weren't getting the best out of themselves and he came in in 98 and won the All-Ireland. So that tells its own its own tale, but they were inspiring characters, Aidan, inspirational figures and yeah. uh, it's, a ta- it's a gift. Not every manager has it. Some of them, when you get them, you have to hold on to them. And, um, you know, look at Joe Schmidt was another player, another manager, inspirations. But I think as well, Aidan, this is my own opinion on management, that a lot of management, the importance of it is the ability to have a one-to-one relationship or conversation with the players on a regular basis. Sit yeah. down individually with each individual player, say, you're my fullback. Sit down and say, this is how you're doing. I think you can improve on your sharpness or you can lose half a stone or you can gain half a stone, you can work on your strength and conditioning, you need to work on your pace, you need you get to turn your, your right foot but you can't clear on your left foot. Sit down for 20 minutes or half an hour and go through that with each individual player. Builds trust, get to know each other, then you 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 tell them what your vision for the team is and and, and set it out. I think managers have to do that. That's why it's such a time consuming job management done at the right done at the top level. It's about relationships with each individual and the relationship with the collective. But when you have sat down with each individual player and you know outlined the goal and vision and outlined where you see that player can improve, that's where I think the, the improvement comes. The player then you get to know them well and they get to know they get to know you and, and they know what you're about. And you know, improvements can be made there. Like and uh, it's it's all about like I heard David Moyes, you know, people say David Moyes might have been hard on players. But Dave Moyes was top coaches. 
like uh, uh, former Everton players, David Moyes was was um, hired on some player one time of training. He was a new player into the team, and some of the older players says if David Moyes is is is, is exhorting you to do better, that means he's great time for you, he's great respect for you. He wants you to improve even more and more. So it's it's a, it's a privilege for a player when a manager, a top manager, is calling you out to do better. That means he has faith and trust, and he knows you have the talent and just wants you to go to another level. So I think the individual individual um, meetings with players as well and, and having that good relationship that trust is built and I think I think it, it helps the collective and helps individual Aidan but just giving you with, with uh, John O'Mahony as well Aidan what he said he said um, you know he says uh, John O'Mahony obviously was disappointed he said uh, in championship football he said all the cards are on the table we have we have had great days over the last three years but today we've had a bad day at the office and Roscommon came out the better team and we have no excuses so Galway missed the early goal chances. You know, Derry Thompson made that brilliant save from Joe Bergen, Sean O'Donnell wide. But Mahoney, he wasn't prepared to examine the misses in isolation. He said, when you look at it, the overall thing, whether they were chances we took or did not take, Roscommon came out on top. We just did not spark all over the field, he said. We got um, we got level. I thought we would go on and win it, but we just didn't do it. And Roscommon, you know, Roscommon were the stronger team in the end. And, you know, the on and held on to to, uh, to victory. It was a great victory for us, Common. Great victory for you know for um, John Tobin in his own backyard, and uh, it was a day for all Roscommon supporters to to uh, to revel in a, in a in a fine victory in Tum. And is one of those ambush victories we spoke about previously when Roscommon weren't expected to do well. They come in and they 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 beat. Um, Beat, beat Galway and fair and square. So it's 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 a great to look back on that game and and all the great players that that Roscommon had at that time and uh, how well they did and how well they performed for Roscommon in two thousand and one. They brought great honour to the county and uh, they certainly deserved that kind of final victory. They they really were um, phenomenal in that performance and the. 3rd of June 2001 and approved it later in the kind of final they put that they, they not, it's, it's easy to have one good performance but a good team can back it up with a second great performance and Roscommon backed it up with that uh, with that uh, performance Aidan, you know so Jack Mahan was the former Galway footballer and used to write in the papers as well you know and he, he said that uh, he, he was talking about Roscommon being a team of warriors especially uh, when they co- took comprehensive control in the final quarter uh, he says Galway always seemed to be chasing the game apart from one period in the first half when they led by eight points to one three. But he says Galway, he was unhappy the way Galway succumbed. But he says it's a long and arduous campaign for this Galway team starting last year. The loss of two major finals had an effect on the appetite and passion, he said. He says the back door gives Galway a second chance and a chance to regenerate and rejuvenate passion and the trust. He says Galway won very few breaks on Sunday apart from Porrick Joyce who carried the team almost on his own. Declan Meehan and Sean O'Donnell, um, you know, were 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 uh, had an off days. You know, hadn't you know they they, they had off days. He said, he says the full he says the full backline, Galway full backline was cleaned. He says that's the words he used. He says Galway full backline was clean. He said the appetite of his comments, Graham, Gavin, Noon, O'Neill, O'Donnell, um, Canelli, Deneen, and both Lohans was a revelation. He says the pace of the game seemed to engulf some of the Galway players. Who hadn't played the National Football League? He's probably referenced there to Moss Mannion, who had just come back into the Galway team, and he struggled with the pace. But 
but he he uh, he he played well in the remainder of the championship. The most Mannion, he got back into the into his groove, if you like, and played centre back. So he said the open door back door back for a system. He says won't help Galway if we don't lift the heads. That's what he says. It won't be easy from here on for Galway. It's going to be knockout all the way. But he says this may be the end of the good days for the team or the start of another long hot summer of passion and glory. Isn't that funny? And uh, it was true. It was the start of a long hot summer of glory for Galway. He says we're out of the Connacht Championship for the first time in four years. Congratulations, Roscommon. But we haven't lost faith with the Galway team just yet. So prophetic words there from, from Jack Mahan. They hadn't lost faith, and uh, as it transpired, Galway then came back in to beat Wicklow, Armagh, Cork, Roscommon, Derry, and Mead to win the All Ireland. That was some going to come back and win six yeah. more matches and win their second All Ireland. And you have to give, I suppose, we have to give Galway credit for that. Aidan. They were a great team, that Galway team, you know, under John O'Mahony from that period of '98 to maybe 2002, 2003. They were, they were, they were phenomenal players. I suppose as well, Aidan, Galway. Um, Kevin Walsh didn't start that game. He came on that game. I mentioned it. I said Shea Walsh came on, but it was Kevin Walsh that came on uh, for Galway in the second half. But uh, he, he he made a big impact during the season as well uh, for Galway. He he uh, he played well as Galway went through to win the, the All Ireland. So that's the story of the game. Aidan Galway and Roscommon, 2001 Connacht semi final in Tum Stadium, 3rd of June 2001. Victory for Roscommon on a scoreline of 212 to 14 points. One of the great performances the Roscommon have ever put in, and that was backed up by a kind of final victory a couple of weeks later in Hyde Park when Roscommon won the Nestor Cup, beating Mayo with the last gasp goal from Jerry Lohan Aiden to win Connor Championship. Brilliant season under John Tobin. Fergal O'Donnell was the captain, but a great team, great performance, and uh, a team that will always be remembered fondly in Roscommon football circles. That's it, and uh, you know it's it, it is a lovely memory, and I think for both of us as always, it's it, it's very nice, as especially a game like that. It's nice to look back and uh, discuss all, even even the finer points uh, of the game and the little things, just to kind of discuss them because I I think you know it's true that that uh, it kind of ignites great some great memories. So uh, another great match to look that was very enjoyable to look back on, and we look forward to doing it all again next week. Okay, bye now. Bye bye. No, thanks very much. And that was uh, that was former Scotland goalkeeper Ray Lennon and myself. We were discussing um, a great kind of final between Ross Scotland and Galway.